Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend. We are also live on AMP, so if you're listening on YouTube, or on the podcast feeds. Don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. Getting to the top five of our top 25 players of the last 25 years today with number five, Shaquille O'Neal. And then we also have a little game that we're going to play off the top of the show that we stole from Uncle Colin, who runs the company here at The Volume. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. Also going to be doing some mailbag questions the rest of this week and potentially into the future, so don't forget to drop some mailbag questions in the comments on YouTube as well. All right. Um, one other thing, I'm sorry about the delay starting Tuesday this week. I have not gotten sick since I caught COVID back in late 2020. I was one of the early people that got it. And I've been on a, this crazy hot streak of somehow avoiding getting like legitimately sick. Like I'll feel under the weather here and there, but like never like truly be dead to rights like sick. And I got hit like a truck on uh, Thursday night. And so uh, that kind of messed up the whole weekend and that was why we ended up delaying the start this week. So uh, bear with me a little bit as well with my voice. Um, I've had a pretty bad cough. So um, that will be something I have to deal with a little bit today, but glad to be here. We're just going to be going Tuesday through Saturday instead of Monday through Friday, but same kind of cadence like we've been doing. So we're going to do a game called Fake Questions, Real Answers. Uh, We're not going to do it regularly. I'm just stealing it today because I think it's perfect for this particular theme. It's going to be centered around the FIBA World Cup basketball tournament. The way this works, Colin Coward does this on his show all the time, but basically you just, I'm going to have a fake question that kind of centers around a topic with Team USA or with FIBA, and then I'll give you guys an answer from there. So, fake question number one. Does Team USA losing to Lithuania mean anything for that USA 
world champion debate that was going around a couple weeks ago? As you can probably guess, the answer is no. There are three reasons why. One, basketball is a very high-variant sport. There's a reason why even the greatest basketball team of all time, the 1996 Bulls, lost 13 basketball games. That's a lot of basketball games for the greatest team ever to lose, right? How does it happen? Any of you guys who've ever played pickup basketball or play in your men's league or anything along those lines, you get into a game where you're the better team, right? But you come out and you're a little lackadaisical. That other team really wants to beat you, so they're bringing in a ton of effort and energy. Maybe they get really hot from three and make some shots early. Suddenly you look up, you're down 15, 20 points, and you're like, oh shit, guys, we better get it together and start playing hard. And so then you start playing hard and you make a run and you get back into the game. But by the time you get back into the game, now you're exhausted because it takes a ton of energy to get back into the game. And then maybe they hit a couple more shots because they're feeling good because they've been shooting well all game. And then suddenly you look up at the scoreboard and you're down by eight with four minutes left. And you're like, holy shit, we're about to lose this thing. It's, it's a very common thing that happens in the game of basketball, right? And that's literally what happened against Lithuania. Lithu- uh, USA came out really slow, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Lithuania was playing with a shit ton of force. Like they were cutting hard. They were screening hard. They were running hard in transition. Everything they were doing with the basketball or without the basketball was done with a ton of physical force. They really wanted to beat the U.S. team. And U.S. wasn't playing, the U.S. Uh, uh, guards in particular weren't playing any damn defense to start this particular game. I was tracking it this morning because uh, uh, I rewatched the entire game. And the sheer amount of wide open threes they gave up in the first quarter was ridiculous. Like there was a little pick and roll off the right wing, and Josh Hart is guarding a shooter on the left wing, or right uh, on the left wing. And instead of like staying in a position where he can close out, he just sits down at the foul line and the guy just makes a simple swing pass over to a wide open shooter it's too much help at the nail you got to find a a sweet spot there it's one thing if the dude's getting toasted but you can't just completely ignore a shooter without really serving any purpose right and there was possession after that where Jonas Valanciunas uh, did a uh, hit a pick and pop three on the right wing Anthony Edwards was literally jogging around the screen. So as a result, I think it was Paolo Boncaro that was in the in the ball screen. Paolo Boncaro had no choice but to step up and help and ignore Jonas Valanciunas, who popped back and hit the three. Uh, possession after that, there was a uh, Jonas post-up on the right block. Anthony Edwards runs over in double teams along the baseline. This was his double team. Just kind of went over like this. And was standing under the basket. Didn't actually get close to Jonas. Didn't disrupt the pass. Literally did nothing but stand there like this. And Jonas threw a skip pass. Uh, uh, Jalen Brunson made the rotation, but Josh Hart didn't make the rotation to the next guy. Swing, swing, wide open three on the left wing. Like wide open, like practice threes that these guys were making. By the way, Anthony Edwards had a really, really nice... Uh, offensive game against Lithuania, but he was terrible on the defensive end, especially in the first half, just wasn't trying and legitimately was a big problem in their defense. Uh, the last one I, I put down was there's a, they ran a Spain pick and roll, which again, that's, that's where you have a, a, a shooter underneath the basket. You run your pick and roll and then they interchange, right? And Anthony Edwards was guarding the shooter underneath the basket and just ignored his man. 
and was kind of like just floating around in the middle of the floor. I think Walker Kessler was in the game at this point. Walker Kessler's in a drop coverage on the pick and roll, and he's in position to handle everything at the rim, and Ant's just overhelping, just floating around, doing nothing. Swing pass, once again, Jalen Brunson makes the rotation to the wing, but Anthony Edwards misses the rotation to the corner. Wide open, standstill, practice wide open three. He knocks it down, right? I mean, that's, that's four just in the first quarter completely uncontested threes and they made all four of them uh, and, and like you know it's funny we talk about um we talk a lot about hot shooting right and what do I always say on the show like when a guy makes a lot of tough shots later in the game usually if you go back you can find early portions of the game where those guys got wide open shots because once you know all these professional basketball players they're professional basketball players like they do this shit every single day and so when they feel good about themselves and they feel confident they can make shots contested shots you know at the end of the day a basketball player is a basketball player contested a contest is a contest and it doesn't matter if it's Brandon Ingram contesting you or whoever the hell it is if you're a great shooter because you're a professional basketball player and you made three wide open threes in the first quarter and and you get a a, a a late clock situation and you're getting smothered and and you just throw some shit up, you're feeling good about yourself. You're going to make those sometimes. And so I think those things are always intricately connected, right? And, and, and this is just part of the way that the game of basketball works. And that's why... You've seen your favorite NBA team lose to a lesser team in the regular season. You've probably seen that flow happen before. That's why we call it March Madness in the NCAA tournament when it's single elimination because good teams lose to bad teams all the time in single-game sample sizes, right? That's why the NBA uses a seven-game series so that we can truly determine who the better basketball team was because in any one-game sample, a team can get hot, a team can bring better effort, a, an executional error. All those sorts of things can be a wrinkle in a one-game sample size. So does USA losing to Lithuania mean anything about Team USA and the world champion debate? No, it doesn't. Reason number two... International teams experience much better continuity than Team USA does. A gold medal for Team USA is expected rather than respected. And so as a result, it's kind of a low-reward, high-risk proposition for most NBA players. Also, the NBA season is an extremely long season, and so a lot of guys just want to take a break. So Team USA has a wildly different roster for every tournament. Why does that matter? Think about how much we talked about continuity this last year, the last two years with Denver and Golden State, right? Continuity matters. You uh, Players figure out their hierarchy. Your stars figure out who's kind of like where they're at in the pecking order, right? All your role players get deeply familiar with their roles and they learn how to excel in those roles. The, the coaches get a really good pulse for the team and understand the highs and lows and how to kind of like navigate that, right? It's really difficult. And like we're, it's difficult in a large sample size. Like we were talking about continuity with other teams that had significantly more time to get together right? Now we're talking about FIBA and it's like you get a couple of weeks of practice and you get like a couple of exhibition games. Then you get five pool play games or three pool play games and two second round games. And then you go right into single elimination. And so it's a significant disadvantage for Team USA in particular, that they have just different groups of people in every single tournament. Whereas for these international teams, because Literally winning a World Cup or winning an Olympic tournament is a gigantic achievement, 
I would argue if you asked Luka Doncic, what would you rather win in your career? Uh, a, 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 an Olympic medal, gold medal with Slovenia or a FIBA World Cup gold medal with Slovenia or or uh, winning a title with the Dallas Mavericks, I bet you he says Slovenia. Because these for these guys, it matters so much more because if you win one of those tournaments, it's such a remarkable achievement. There's a different level of pride playing for your country that exists outside of that because of that risk-reward element. I don't, it's, I don't think it's a, a lack of pride for for Team USA, I think it's literally just like it's hard for them to feel the urgency that a lot of these other teams feel, and so they have better continuity in their roster from tournament to tournament. It's a huge, it's a significant advantage when we get to these tournaments. I mean, honestly, like guys, like even the Team USA uh, basketball teams that get gold medals typically like underperform, right? I mean, like they they win, and then you're like, man, but I mean, it was kind of close there with Spain for a minute, you know, or like. Man, it was close with against this other team for a minute. Like, yeah, they should have won all these games by 30, right? And it's because of that continuity. And I would argue if you give one of those teams all, you know, uh, nine months together to build that continuity and understanding, our Team USA teams would kick the shit out of these uh, these international teams. But it's just uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? Reason number three why Team USA losing to Lithuania does not mean anything for the World Championship debate. A real Team USA would kick the living shit out of the rest of the world teams. Our starters would be Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. Not only is that a ridiculously talented starting lineup, but every single one of those players in that group complements the others extremely well. All of them know how to play off the ball and on the ball. All of them know how to play defense. All of them have a consistent reputation as guys who are willing to do the dirty work to win basketball games. Your bench would be Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, Anthony Edwards, and Jalen Brown. That's ridiculous. These are players, and by the way, I just based that off my top 25 players list this uh, this summer. Here are players who would get cut from Team USA's 12-man roster. Paul George, Brandon Ingram, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brunson, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, James Harden. I can go on and on and on. I'm sorry, but it's just not close. Like, the world is catching up, yes. Like, three of the top five players in the world, in my opinion, are not Americans, right? The uh, in, the, in the global sense, the game is growing significantly. I don't think it'll be long before you could make a team world that would beat Team USA and arguably with the top-end guys like Jokic and Giannis, like, arguably Team World beats Team USA. But there is no Team World, right? There's just these other countries, right? And each of those countries are improving little by little. But Team USA still has everybody lapped in this department. We just don't send our best players. So, like, again, like, when we have these discussions, like, I I think it's important to differentiate between the health of the rest of the world when it comes to basketball. The game of basketball is growing, and I think it's so good. But that's not the same as the NBA not being the best professional league in the world. It's still, team. it's like NBA basketball, gigantic chasm, and then you're going to get to your Euro leagues and your, uh, you know, uh, the NBL in Australia and, and, and leagues like that, right? Like that's where, there's a gigantic chasm. It's not the same. And, and that's why like, I'm okay with NBA players calling themselves the best in the world and things along those lines. I think that's a reputation that the league has earned. All right. Our second FIBA-related fake question. Jason, Austin Reeves got barbecued by Lithuania yesterday. He gave up 12 points and five post-ups. Steve Kerr had to pull him from the game. Does that mean the hype has gotten out of control and that Austin isn't that good? No. 
doesn't mean anything. First of all, Team USA as a unit got their ass kicked in that game, especially on the defensive end. I just broke down for you guys in the last segment all the little ways that Team USA wasn't sharp defensively and was giving up wide open shots. Just the four possessions I broke down were as many points as Austin gave up in post-ups in that game, right? Also, we have a large sample size that Austin is a very good post defender. Austin played 16 playoff games this year year for the Lakers. He got posted up six times and got five stops. That's right. He gave up one bucket in six attempts that teams tried to post him up. Austin got posted up by the opponent 33 times in the regular season this year, about once every other game, and allowed just 18 points. That's 0.55 points per possession when you try to post up Austin Reeves. That's outstanding. Before the Lithuania game for Team USA. Other countries tried to post up Austin Reeves nine times and he allowed just six points, forcing four turnovers. He had a bad game. He got absolutely flambéed, barbecued, destroyed, cooked in the post against Lithuania. That's a fact. (coughs) Sorry, guys. But again, like that was, like I said, a part of that confidence. Like, right, like Lithuania makes a bunch of shots in the first half. They're feeling themselves. I mean, Instagram yesterday was just a a nonstop barrage of like screenshots of Lithuanian players like smirking and making faces at different American players while they were busting their ass. They didn't lose that game because of Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves played like shit. He played like shit. He got his ass kicked. But you don't erase an entire year's worth of sample size over one basketball game. Posting up Austin Reeves has been a bad idea for professional basketball players all year. And Lithuania having a great night doesn't change that. Here's the thing with Austin Reeves. There's a reason why I brought him up today. Because he's getting a lot of attention this summer off, off of a great playoff run and off of this Team USA experience, right? Yes, he's been getting a ton of attention. Yeah, he's a Laker, and Laker fans are they're a lot, right? They're loud, they're obnoxious. Like you guys know, I'm not necessarily a Lakers fan. I just root for the Lakers because I'm a LeBron James fan. But I have a lot of interactions with Lakers fans. I understand it. Like I get it. I get what the frustration is for a lot of people. Like they get a lot of attention. They get all the coverage. You guys got to understand the business side of it, right? Like nobody does this for free, like except for people that are trying to get paid to do this, right? And all of the companies out there are getting paid to do this. And so they're going to do what's in the best interest of their company. And so they're going to talk Lakers and they're going to talk Warriors and they're going to talk Celtics and they're going to talk Knicks and they're going to talk big markets because that's what drives revenue and all these people got families to pay uh, to feed right so like it's just the reality you guys see it on this show like we do a lot of Lakers Warriors content we cover the rest of the league but we do a lot of Lakers Warriors content right because I I got bills to pay man like we we gotta we gotta we gotta uh um you know acknowledge the realities of that right and so I get it I get all the hype and I get that that's been frustrating but here's the thing Austin's also really damn good at basketball he scored 20 plus points, uh, 20 plus points in the playoffs eight times this year. He averaged 17 points, four rebounds, and five assists on 62% true shooting while sharing the court. That was all in the playoffs, by the way. While sharing the court with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder, and D'Angelo Russell, splitting touches with all those guys, 17, four, and five on 62% true shooting. Think about how you guys view Desmond Bain as a player. He has nine 20 point playoff games in his career in three playoff runs. And his career playoff average is 17 points, the same as Austin Reeves. Think about how you think of Carl Anthony Towns. He has just seven 20-point playoff games in three playoff runs. 
Think about Jordan Poole. I bet every Warriors fan who listens to this show thinks Jordan Poole is a better player than Austin Reeves. I'd argue Austin Reeves is better right this second, but that Jordan Poole is going to be better because he has all this upside. He's such a freak athlete, right? Like Jordan Poole in the long run is going to be a better player than Austin. But like most Warriors fans would argue that Jordan Poole is better than Austin, right? 35 career playoff games. He's only scored 20 plus nine times in those 35 playoff games and his career playoff average is 14 and a half. Austin did it eight times in one season, guys, in half as many games. Like, Austin's legit. He's outrageously efficient. He can do it as a primary initiator. He literally closed out the Memphis Grizzlies in game one in the playoffs this year, just spamming high pick and roll. LeBron standing in the damn corner while Austin runs the offense. Like, that's how freaking good this kid is. He can do it off the ball. He shot 46% on catch-and-shoot threes in the playoffs this year, 40% for the regular season. He's a very good defensive player. We broke down the post-up stuff earlier, but he always does his job. He's not hes not an outstanding defensive player. You're not going to put him on someone and shut them down. But if you put him in a five-man unit defensively, he's going to do his job and he's going to make plays. He's not going to hurt you on that end of the floor. Is he an all-star? No. I, I don't think so. Is he, uh, is he a future all-star? Probably not. I don't, I don't think he has the athletic upside and the guard position is too stacked in the NBA. But... He's firmly in that tier right below All-Star, and he has proven himself on the biggest stage, or at least ever, just shy of the biggest stage. The biggest stage you can play in as a basketball player is the, is the NBA Finals. And, and, and the dude was a reliable third option for a conference finalist team this year. So, like, I, I, I get the Lakers hate. I do. But don't be on the wrong side of history with the Austin Reeves stuff. The kid is legit. Uh, and like, if you, if you really watch him and just try to appreciate for him for what he is and just stop thinking about the Lakers for a second and just envision him as a basketball player. He's just a kid who's trying to grind out a spot in the NBA and he's doing a damn good job of it. And if you're a fan of the game of basketball, I think you guys will enjoy watching him in the long run. All right. Last one, Jason, does team USA losing to Lithuania signify that team USA will not win the world cup this year? So first of all, I said before the tournament that USA should be the favorite and they still are. Uh, but that if I had to pick between the USA team and the field, that I would pick the field. Why? Because I had a feeling they'd be in close games, right? We just got one here against Lithuania. But close games can go either way. And this is not a juggernaut type of roster. Yeah, like if you send that, if you sent that team that I mentioned earlier, the actual team USA over there, yeah, I'd pick them over the field nine times out of ten, right? Like they're gonna they're barring an absolute freakish performance from a you know, a, a Jokic or a Giannis or, or, or a Luka and just a heroic defensive effort from everybody. on. Like, it would require the most perfect set of circumstances for that team to lose a game, right? But aside from that circumstance, you know, the time, the types of Team USAs that we send over there, they're not juggernauts. All it takes is one close game or a couple guys miss a couple shots for your team and a couple guys make a couple shots on the other team. So, yeah, I pick the field over Team USA. That said, I still think the USA has uh, Team USA is the best remaining team, and I still think they deserve to be the favorite, which they still are. Um, the quarterfinals are set at USA versus Italy. I think if I'm reading the bracket correctly, that if they win, they'll play the winner of Germany versus Latvia, and then potentially have to play either um, Canada or Lithuania, Serbia or Slovenia in the finals. I think uh, Canada should um, Canada should beat Slovenia. Is my guess they have a, a, just a long line of perimeter defenders to throw at Luca to fatigue him. The uh 
I think that over the course of that game, it's going to benefit them. And then also just SGA is really starting to find his groove. SGA hit basically the game winner the other day um, versus Spain. Really impressive down the stretch defense. Uh, uh, Dylan Brooks hit a huge three on the left wing that tied it. And then SGA just textbook, hard dribble right, pullback dribble, knocks down basically the game winner. I think Canada is probably the second most likely team to win it behind the USA. That's what I said earlier, and I still feel that way. Uh, again, single elimination can go either way. But for right now, I still lean towards the USA, but I would take the field over the USA, meaning I do expect the bet, the more likely outcome is, is that US, uh, the Team USA loses at some point in the elimination round. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, 22 minutes later, let's let's get into number five on our top 25 players the last 25 years, Shaquille O'Neal. Accolades, four-time NBA champion, best player on three championship teams, second best player on one championship team. Eight-time first-team All-NBA, 14-time All-NBA overall. Technically, five of those selections were before 1999 when this list is supposed to start. Um, seven of his first-team selections were all in the last 25 years. Three-time All-Defense and two-time scoring champion, champion, 1995 and 2000. Won the regular season MVP in 2000, and he is a three-time NBA Finals MVP. His claim to fame is he is the most physically dominant player in NBA history. This is how crazy this is. We talk... A lot about MJ, right? The other day when we did our MJ LeBron uh, kind of mailbag question. And we talked about um, dominance, right? And the uh, the fact that what MJ did in the 90s is kind of like unprecedented. And, uh, you know, obviously Bill Russell and the Celtics won eight consecutive championships. But that was an forever ago. The league was incredibly tiny. That Celtics team was freaking stacked. Like there was debate over whether or not Wilt or Bill Russell was better. I mean, most people would agree Bill was slightly better, but it's not, it wasn't the same type of thing as what MJ did in the nineties, right? Well, there's one other player in NBA history who has won three consecutive NBA finals MVP awards, and that's Shaquille O'Neal. 
He was seven foot one. He was well over 300 pounds. Everything that Shaq did came down to footwork. We talked about this a lot with Jokic, but like being big is only half the battle, right? There are a lot of big human beings in the world. All you have to do is look at these FIBA games and look at how many non-NBA players are between 6'10 and 7'2 that have a good jump hook and can make free throws and do all that kind of stuff, right? Like there's a lot of big dudes in the world, but that coordination, especially as it pertains to footwork, is everything because your footwork is what allows you to inflict your physicality on your opponent, right? Because your base is constantly moving, right? Have you guys ever had that, uh, have done that test where like, you stand with your feet together and then someone like pushes you on the shoulder and you like fall down or like you lose your balance. But then if you stand in like an athletic stance, like with your feet spread out to your shoulders, if someone pushes you on the shoulder, like you won't move because when you have your base wide and established, it's much harder to move you off your base. Well, that same principle applies in every facet of basketball, but especially in post defense. Why? Because there's a lot more contact in post offense defense matchups, right? So on the perimeter, sometimes you can be off balance and a dude can nudge you, but they might call a hand check or they might call you for hip checking or something along those lines. As a matter of fact, I think the league calls that too much these days, right? But in the post, there's a lot of contact that's allowed. So guys are constantly pushing on each other and it's a two-way battle, right? Like the post player's trying to back down and the post defender is trying to like chuck with his forearm and hold his ground on the backside, right? And so who has the best leverage ends up winning that battle most of the time. And so as the post player, you're constantly feeling on your shoulder blades where the defender is and you're trying to change your footwork either by taking a drop step or a pivot of some kind to get to a position where then you can get separation from the post defender for a shot. And so having really sharp footwork and, 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 and being really polished with your coordination with your feet in, the, in, that, in that particular element of offense is the difference between a, a player being able to physically dominate a player or get pushed off of his spot. I talked about this a lot with Jokic, but Jokic sometimes you'll watch him and he'll chop his feet a lot. He's really good at resetting his base. He's in that post backup position. As he's dribbling, he's constantly shuffling his feet and resetting his base. Why? Because he doesn't just hit you once. He's hitting you once, twice, three times, four times, maybe even five times before he takes a shot. And he needs to constantly reset his base so that when he bumps you, he moves you. Whereas if he doesn't have his base set, that second contact, maybe he loses that battle and he loses ground away from the basket, right? Shaq had really, really sharp footwork. His drop step was immaculate. We've all seen tons of videos of Shaq getting that drop step foot past the defender's foot and then pivoting. And as he pivots, pivoting, just throwing the defender out of the way as he goes up and dunks it, right? Like he added a couple of basic, simple post moves as well. Everything starts with the bully ball, right? The footwork, the drop steps, trying to get dunks at the basket. But when he did get stood up or when there was a defender waiting on the back line that he wanted to avoid, Shaq had two moves that he basically went to consistently from both blocks. And that was a right-handed hook over his left shoulder. And like Shaq would call it like a turnaround fadeaway, uh, but it was kind of like a one-handed push shot over his right shoulder. So he'd turn over the shoulder and instead of shooting like a post player with two hands, he would just kind of reach up with one hand and shoot essentially like a turnaround jumper with one hand. I don't even know what you want to call it. Push shot, a kind of like a turnaround floater, whatever it was. But he was pretty good with those two particular shots. And that was enough with his physical frame to just utterly obliterate every front line in the NBA over 
that late 90s, early 2000s stretch, right? And essentially, like, it, he was so dominant over that time that, like, every single team had to load up with three or four centers just to commit fouls on him. The strategy around the league basically became the same. If you were guarding Shaq and he went for a hook shot or a turnaround, you would try to contest without fouling. But if he made any sort of physically aggressive move towards the basket, it was wrap his ass up. You had to because he was a career 50, I think he was like uh, 53% career free throw shooter. And so that ended up being your best opportunity to get stops. But that was what you did. You, you, you tried when he did, when he did bless you with a, with a crazier shot that was further away from the basket, you would sit there and pray that he'd miss. And then when he was physically aggressive, you'd foul. And, and that led to his crowning achievement, which was his three-peat in uh, the early 2000s with the Lakers. He averaged 29-14-4 and four with three blocks per game over that three-year span. Won MVP in 2000, finished third place in the MVP voting the next two years. Averaged 30-15-3 and three in the playoff runs. They lost just, the, that Lakers team lost just 13 playoff games in three years. They were 45-13 and 13 in the playoffs. Think about how insane that is. In 15 NBA Finals games, he averaged 36 points, 15 rebounds, and four assists per game with three blocks on 60% shooting and won all three Finals MVPs. It was one of the most dominant stretches of basketball by any single player in NBA history. Biggest what if of Shaq's career, what if Shaq had taken better care of his body? The decline for Shaq came very quickly when he got to his 30s. 2003 was his fourth consecutive season, averaging at least 27 points per game. For the rest of his career after that, he never averaged over 23 points per game. It was like an immediate fall off of the cliff. He had this like toe issue, um, this like arthritis toe thing. You guys probably remember um, Shaq going to training camp and, and getting surgery in season because he got injured on company time. So he was going to recover on company time, right? Like, uh, that was kind of the beginning of the end for him athletically. He did win another championship with the heat in 2006, but it was more of, uh, as more of a supporting player. He scored 20 plus points, just nine times in their 23 game playoff run. And Dallas held him to single digits twice in the final. So it was much more of a supporting type of player. He just he, he was a he was a supremely gifted athlete when he was younger and once that faded and he put on the weight, it just he just wasn't the same type of dominant force that he was when he was younger. Um we didn't even talk about the Orlando years. Like I, I watched I went back and watched uh uh this morning the nineteen ninety five series uh with Chicago and uh, I watched game one of that series and I was watching Shaq and literally Chicago had to go to their third string center in the first quarter. And he was making all of his free throws in that game too, which, which was, which was causing problems at least at the beginning of the game. It, but like you watch the way he moved up and down the floor, he was moving like a wing. And so it's just, it's, you know, it's crazy. Cause like it's, it, you start to think about how good he could have been because he's easily, you know, top 15, top 10 in NBA history, regardless of position, depending on who you ask. Um, a lot of people have him higher than that. I have him fifth uh, in the last 25 years. Imagine how good he could have been if he had taken better care of his body. Um, very, very interesting career, Shaq, and very difficult to rank him compared to his peers. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. We'll be, we will be back tomorrow with number four. Don't forget to drop some mailbag questions in the comments. I will see you guys then.
volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.